We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 259. No matter what level or discipline you are in in the horse world, I think we all can agree that grooms work so hard and their job is so intensive. I know um, every once in a while, first world problems, I will go to a show where I'm a groom and it is some of the hardest work ever. I always say to um, anyone, any of my friends that are grooms, anyone that I know that's a groom, I could not do what you do day in and day out. I can do it for little bits of time, a week here, a week there, and barely make it through. So, man, major applause to all the grooms out there. Our guest today was an international dressage groom for eight years, representing Team Great Britain at the European and World Championships. She is also the founder of the British Grooms Association and the IGA, which is the International Grooms Association. The IGA is a professional association for grooms working internationally in FEI disciplines. The support provided by the IGA includes guidance on employment rules, answers to commonly asked questions on recruitment, a toolkit for grooms working freelance, a job board, just to name a few, a section on well-being on the IGA website, International Grooms Minds, will ensure that grooms also have a strong emotional support system in place to assist them in their daily work and the crazy intense grind that we all know and should definitely appreciate. I do not know where I would be without my grooms. So without further ado, please welcome our wonderful guest today, Lucy Catan. Hey, Lucy. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Amazing. Um, Well, thank you for taking the time. Um, I would love to hear, first of all, where are you based right now? I am currently based in my garden office in southwest London. Nice. Amazing. Um, Well, I would love to hear first kind of how you got started, how you first found yourself in the equestrian world. I started off riding ponies when I was about six or seven years old. Um, My first pony was actually uh, that I used to ride was called Champagne. So um, I don't know if that (laughs) said something about my future life. (laughs) Um, there's been a few champagne and whiskey and God knows what else. Um, but yeah, no, I did ponies as many, uh, British kids did in those days. Then I got the bug and then I wanted to work with horses much to my parents horror, um, at the time, but I won the battle and I ended up working, um, as a dressage rider and dressage group. Amazing. Um, so obviously grooming has been a big part of your career. So what would you say, tell me a little bit about your experiences as a groom. What have been some highlights and then not necessarily lowlights, but what are some maybe learning moments you've experienced? Yeah, sure. Um, I always say that I, you know, my time as a groom, I had some great moments, some not so great moments. For me, um, the particularly great moments, what I loved was being part of the British team, you know, wearing the kit, um, having the accreditation I love having accreditation and being able to go places that other people can't you know the public can't go Mm -hmm. I love 
you know, obviously I love riding and looking after the horses. I had the bug, um, uh, which incidentally I don't have now. <laughs> Just to say, <laughs> I have no horses uh, and I'm quite happy with that fact. Um, but at the time, you know, it was all I, I loved the horses and it was all I wanted to do. And I loved traveling and the buzz of, you know, to get anywhere from the UK. Of course, you have to go on a boat, a ferry or fly. I loved the flying experiences that I did um, and just and just the friendships that I made, of course. Um, I was never afraid of the hard work. I didn't mind that. Um, but what I did mind was um, sort of the respect and the recognition for the role that I had and the role I was performing. And that respect and recognition came in, in or rather didn't come in, in different forms. So the money, I was very much underpaid for what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really know it at the time, but I, you know, I recognize it now for sure. Um, just the general respect for me as a person and as an individual. Um, so from you know, a couple of riders that I worked over the time. I mean, you know, they, the way they talked to me, the way they behaved towards me, the way they didn't really manage me. I was their employee and I wasn't, I wasn't correctly managed. And in one workplace, one of my really bad times was I was very badly bullied, very traditional bullying mm. by a fellow member of staff who really was quite an evil person, to be honest. And it was one of those types of bullying where she would say all these horrible things to me behind my boss's back when no one was there, no one could see or hear. And she would, you know, meanwhile, she'd be telling tales to my boss. And so it was really traditional bullying, but it was really, it put me into a very poor um, position uh, mentally and it made me feel not very happy. So that wasn't a good time. But also, you know, at the shows, um, there we were, the grooms looking after all the horses at these top level international shows. And there was never a groom's prize. There was never any recognition nor care for us as the grooms. We sort of really did feel as second rate citizens um, on the showground. And for me, that was always wrong because we were part of that show. We were part of that event. And I couldn't understand why there were like welcome parties where they invited the owners and the riders. But why couldn't the groom go? You know, why couldn't we put on a nice outfit and go along to the party? And it was that kind of thing that just I always, I don't know, they all, those are my memories. And I, when I stopped working with horses, I always thought that needs to change. And mm-hmm. we're an integral, critical part of the show. Because without us, without the grooms, the show was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, it's arguably the most difficult job in the moving parts. I mean, I think that um, a lot of people would really have a hard time being in that role for a long period of time. What would you say is maybe something that people don't know a lot about when it comes to grooming at the FEI level? I think people don't understand the level of skill and um, knowledge that the top FEI grooms will have. And yeah, hard work. Okay, I, I, the word hard work I'm, I'm, I struggle with because I think mm. there are many other occupations out there who work very hard from, if you just take your own everyday life from the doctors, the nurses, the, we call them the bin men, you might call them the trash men who mm-hmm. are doing, my, doing that job at, at six o'clock this morning. What time does their shift start? you know, to the night, to the tube workers and, and it goes on and on. So this sort of, this thing, oh, grooms work really hard. Well, yeah, they do, but there's also many other professions that they do work hard. 
Um, but I don't think that the top FEI grooms, as in the grooms compete, uh, looking after these really high value, high value animals, um, even the animals, you know, even the horses competing at one star are, are, are special, if you want to call mm-hmm. it that. I don't think they're respected in many, in many cases for the skill that they possess, the knowledge, the attention to detail and the hours that they do. And that has to come in salary, but also recognition of role. Um, and I think that for me, I, if I now work in major events as well as running the, the grooms organizations, but I would employ an international, in fact, any groom, to be honest, but I would certainly employ an international um, competition groom on any of my major events. I'm working Commonwealth Games this year. Last year, I did the G7 and COP26. Uh, I've worked three Olympic Games, and I'd employ any of them. And I tell you why, because they are planners, they're logistic experts. They think on their feet. If you're a good groom, that's what you do. And they notice. They have a 360 peripheral view. They mm. notice what's going on. They pick things up really quickly. And I think those are just, they're actually life skills. No one can teach you them. You just pick them up. Um, And they're usually good communicators. They can be a bit grumpy after a long travel out, but in general, they're good communicators. So you see, so I think think those are the skills. And, you know, I I think a lot of grooms, when they look for their future job, they need to to think of themselves as logistics experts because that's what they've done logistics packing the lorry trap planning the travel and it goes on and on so it's not just about the care of the horse right right your your experience as a groom has kind of then led you to become an advocate for grooms across the industry and for people who are listening and don't know you originally founded the british grooms association and i know within that organization you had a vision of the r's is what i have heard um recognition reward respect and retention why did you choose these four words and why were they so important in supporting grooms yeah i mean they really were the four the four hours that we started off with in a pub in gloucestershire many moons ago (laughs) when we had our first inaugural board meeting and it was my idea because i think they are you know they are all really important and some things that we've done you know, and, and incidentally, they all lead, lead to retention, of course. Um, so if you get the respect, the recognition, the rewards correct, then more people are likely to retain mm-hmm. in the job. Because most grooms will tell you they love their job. The reason they leave is because more often than not, it's about poor employment and they just get burnt out by it because they're not treated right. Otherwise, they'd stay forever. And actually, a really good example is if you look in the UK, our racing sector, our horse racing sector, um, we actually have a lot of older demographic older in age rooms because they are treated correctly so they stay in the job but i think that the british groom association so as as a former british team groom it's a social enterprise and my i'm a social entrepreneur so i ultimately want to make my world the groom's world a better place and that was always the aim of the bga and it was about giving grooms a voice but also about improving the recognition and the role and, and, and the rewards. So reward, we've done quite well. We've got, there's quite a lot of grooms awards. The FEI have followed, and now we have the, the annual prestigious FEI groom award, which is great. Um, in the UK, we have loads of grooms rewards. We have um, awards rather, we have um, grooms being recognized all the time in the UK now in magazine articles, and social media has been a really helpful part 
of that development. And, and I would say that social media has also given riders the opportunity to thank their grooms, so which is great. And that recognition makes the groom feel good. And actually, any rider that does it will discover that they get a brilliant reach on social media for doing it, <laughs> as simple as that. And they benefit their own profile. So our patron of the British Grooms Association is Charlotte Dujardin, who I'm sure you well know. No. Um, and Charlotte, <laughs> the reason I asked Charlotte to become our patron is because, um, apart from the fact not that many years ago, she was a groom. She followed me right. in, a, in a job that I had done historically. She was always a little bit of a better rider than me, to be fair. <laughs> but um, she always, off her own back, thanked her grooms, not just Alan Davis, but all of her grooms. Mm -hmm. And she did it on her social media. And I thought, well, how refreshing, how right, how good. And she has always, to this day, taken the, the mindset, here's me, I've won three golds, whatever it is, and whatever. But you know what? There's, it's not just me and the horse, whichever name of horse it is. It's the people that have looked after it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to name them all. And now in the UK, certainly after Tokyo, we saw a lot of that happening with British riders. And I think that's something that we really need to get other riders in the world starting to do. Um, and recognising their, their, their backbone of their yard, both at home and who's travelling, to be recognised, to be applauded for their work. Right, yeah, definitely. So who knew that the World Championships in Herning, Denmark, were happening right now? This week's podcast episodes are supported by Clip My Horse TV, which is the leading live stream provider for equestrian sport and breeding. I don't know about you, but I have a laptop dedicated just to live streaming these events this week. So if you don't want to miss a moment of the World Championships, make sure you tune in on clipmyhorse.tv and fei.tv. Those of you who are not premium members can enjoy all the benefits free with a one-month free trial. You can use the code BETHANY10 to save 10% on a premium membership after that. Enjoy a great entertainment on all of your devices. Then going from the British Grooms Association, you're now a really big part of the International Grooms Association, which was recently started. When, when was it started? Uh, April the 26th, I think, was our launch date. So Love how it. that came about was... I've always felt that originally I thought, oh, well, you know, the international grooms, yeah, they're going to get a better lot than the other, the other grooms on the, you know, the, the UK based grooms, shall we call it. And then I went down to Hickstead, which is a UK based mm -hmm. show, uh, five star. We have a derby for, you know, we have all different levels of classes, big old show. And I talked to the grooms in the stables and my God, they were so miserable. And, oh, this is rubbish. It's all rubbish. It's never going to improve. I can't be bothered. It's rubbish. I thought, oh dear, well, that's not very good. They're not very mm -hmm. happy. And I had complaint after complaint then when I started to ask around. And it made me realize that actually that international groom, their job is extra demanding. You know, they're on the circuit. They're traveling the world. I'm talking the top level here where they're never in the same place for more than a week. Um, the groom gypsy, we can call them, or traveller. Mm -hmm. um, and anyway, so I said to the FBI, I think you need to do a bit more for grooms. This was a, about seven or eight years ago. Oh, well, yeah, maybe we should. Yeah, maybe we should. And then nothing happened. And then there was a change of president. And Ingmar DeVos, who's the now FBI president, he, as a former groom himself, put it in his manifesto. So his plan as on his president term he would give the grooms a voice and a stronger representation within the FEI. 
as a stakeholder. So cut a long story short, in a good few meetings, I get tasked with the job of creating the International Grooms Association. Wow. I really only had about 10 months to pull it off. Um, meanwhile, I'm working on two mega events that the UK are holding, wow. COP and G7. But anyway, um, <laughs> we pulled it off and we launched on the 26th of April. And what was so significant was that we signed the MOU, the Memorandum of Understanding, with the FDI. So that means the International Grooms Association, the IGA, has now a formal voice within the FDI. We are an independent body, and, the FDI, and we have an agreement that the FDI will ultimately listen to us and to our members. And that, that is the difference. So when a groom says, oh, well, we've spoken before and nothing's ever changed, Mm, you haven't really spoken because you haven't had a body speaking on your behalf. And that is the unique difference now. How do you think riders and owners and trainers and grooms can bring about change? And how do you feel like, do you feel like you have seen change in how grooms are treated in the industry? In the UK, yes. It's not perfect. Definitely not perfect. But mm -hmm. I would... You know, when we we campaigned to our federation, the British Equestrian Federation, for years, when you announce the riders and the horses and mention the owners, why can't you mention the groom too? And now it is standard that when the teams are announced for the upcoming World Championships this year, the grooms will be listed within that team announcement. They also... I commend the British Equestrian Federation because now whenever there is a photograph of a groom, they don't just say the groom of William Fox Pitt. They say uh, Jackie, who grooms for William Fox Pitt. So they name the groom. And that in itself is a really big deal. So within the UK, we have seen those at that, certainly at that elite level. This is standard. This is normal. But the rest of the world needs to catch up on this. And it's... Um, it's going to be the IGA's job to and task to sow the seeds of these really simple changes that can happen that will bring the groom into the spotlight and the role of the groom into the spotlight. And those some changes, you know, we're in, a, we're in a, an interesting stage of the world at the moment, um, the cost of living crisis and Ukraine and everything that's going on. You know, I think the shows are going to, certainly in Europe, I don't know about in the States, but, you know, these indoor shows, their electricity bill is going to like double or triple to what it was last year. Mm. And so we've got to be really mindful where we're making demands to a show that they've got to fit these changes within their budget. Because as, a, as an event organizer, I understand that not everything is possible, um, but some things are possible and changes can be made. And a really good example would be the food provision. So we're giving grooms a voice through the IGA. And one of the first, um, we're doing the first groom survey at the moment called Groom's Voice. And it's on the, the subject matter of food because food is everything to a groom. And you're tied to the stables and you never have enough time to eat. But we all need to eat nutritional meals to give us the energy to survive the day and to keep us healthy. So, you know, already interestingly, it's come up, which is something I've said for years, that there should be a grab and go option. Okay, so caterers should provide the service where grooms can nip into catering and grab the food. And in actual fact, even better than that, certainly for lunch, that the food is brought down to the stables. Yeah, a variety of sandwiches mm -hmm. and wraps and crisps, chips, as you call them, you know, 
And it's just, that's not a great deal of further cost. It's just the change of the way things work that make it the groom's world a better place. And instead of just having the groom's catering provision as a last thought, we need to campaign to show organizers to put it as the first thought. Yeah, because they VIP, judges, media, that's all really good. But the grooms, they'll all tell you, no, 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 no. We have no tea and coffee. I have to go and stand in a line (laughs) with the public to buy my food. Now, my horse is jumping at 8 p.m. It's an evening indoors show um, in Europe or wherever. I don't have time to queue with the public for my food. I've got to prepare my horse Mm -hmm. or horses. You see how it all goes wrong very, very quickly for that groom. So those are the kind of changes that we can make. But I'm going to be honest, the grooms need to take the opportunity to have their voice and use their voice. And that would be by belonging to their their voice, their organization, which is the IGA. Right, right. Is that where you feel like you see the opportunity for grooms to be kind of like better advocates for themselves or to kind of change the industry from within? Because yeah, I feel like there's, there's a part to it where there's so much that non-grooms within the industry can do, but there's also, there's also conversations that grooms can kind of um, have to change, you know, from the inside. I think, you know, I don't know. So when we were at the FEI, they had a centenary party on, the, I think, the 27th of April, okay. which was a beautiful affair, to celebrate the 100 years of the centenary. And I was honoured to be asked to meet um, uh, the IOC president, uh, Thomas Bach, which as a three times uh, Olympic organiser was pretty special for me. Yeah. Um, and he asked me, well, I was with Ingmar, and he asked me, why has no one ever done this before? as in creating a voice for the international level competition group. And I said to him, because no one has ever been so stupid. And he or everyone laughed. And (laughs) then I explained myself further, because I'm not making money out of it. You know, no one's getting rich. This is not a rich affair. Yes, I'm paid for the hours that I work, and I think that's only fair. But it's not, you know, I'm not building something and then I can sell it and make lots of money. It's That's not why you do it. You do it because you care. And because you want to make a difference. Historically, nobody has been, I don't think, has had the support, the financial support to do it in the first instance, nor had ability to to take, uh, how can I describe, go from the groom, you know, have a chat with the grooms and then go and have a chat with the organisers and then go and have, and then deliver the the tasks that are required for running a business and an organisation. And it's, you, you can't do it and be a group. You have to, your grooming days have to have gone. Um, So I guess I am a little unique because I still care about the grooms. Um, I really do a lot, but I do find them very frustrating. I I will be outspoken with that because, you know, we were told the other day that there was a whole on Facebook on some private groom, freelance groom group, there was a whole group of grooms being really negative about the IGA oh what's the point why should we join it's not legit which it is and just being negative and I think that's very sad because the grooms will never have another chance to have their voice heard and actually I'd like to see the grooms grab this opportunity and drive it and carve it and come to me and say I want to do this I want to do that I have this idea how can we make that happen do you see? 
And I, I worry that the grooms will continue to sit on the tack trunks and moan mm. instead of joining their organization, which is collaborative, progressive, professional, and ensuring that their voices are heard by the FEI. Because by moaning on internal Facebook groups, you're just talking to a brick wall and to each other and no one's hearing you. Or by sitting on the tack trunks and having a good gripe with each other. <laughs> oh, this is no good. That's no good. That's fine. And that might help you with your own, you know, yourself. But that's not seeking change. So to answer your question in a very long-winded way, I think that it's absolutely right that the grooms join their professional association and work with their professional association to see, to bring about the change that I'm trying to bring about, that we are trying to bring about, that is beneficial to them directly. Right. Well, Lucy, I think that what you're doing with IGA is incredible and definitely a step in the right direction. I, I think my whole goal of the Equestrian Podcast is to talk about areas of the industry, shed some light on areas of the industry that need to be talked about more. And I think that this is definitely one of those main topics. So I really appreciate everything you're doing and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. And for any groom that's listening, just Google International Grooms um, Association or internationalgrooms.org and please come and join us. It's only 15 euros. We have the price setting euros with <laughs> long reasons um, <laughs> why, but we just find that the easiest way. So whatever that is in dollars, it's not a lot. That's the point. And that's for the year. So please do come and join us. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.